mindcoolness.com. Was geht da? This is Dom from mindcoolness.com. And this is the third mindcoolness podcast. In today's podcast, I'm going way back to the very beginning of mindcoolness, which was February yeah, this year. <laughs> so it's, it's not that ancient. Uh, so February 2016. And I'm gonna read. Yeah, I'm still gonna read because I don't give a fuck. It's just practice for me. I don't care how interesting this podcast is. Uh, yeah, in some in some weeks or months after I have enough practice, after I have, yeah, I know how to actually do a podcast because currently I have no fucking clue. I'm just talking and uploading this shit. But as soon as I get some skill with that and also with my English speaking and pronunciation and all this shit that yeah where I'm yeah failing still failing very much yeah <laughs> yeah perfect example of, of how I fail at talking English yeah uh, so it's really just practice for me but I'm still gonna upload all this shit just for the sake of it for the sake of putting myself out there and yeah maybe someone actually listens to this crap and finds some value in it um, although those are will only be the people who are too lazy to actually read my articles but I do that myself I yeah often prefer listening to audiobooks well audiobooks not so much but but definitely listen to podcasts and I don't like reading blog posts as much um, yeah I, most yeah especially since most blogs are yeah just shit anyways and yeah so let's get started since my very first articles were way longer than my newer art articles because I really tried to make them good and whatnot um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see about that in a minute. So yes, since they're longer, I'll only talk about three subjects, three topics. And yeah, if you're not interested in in one, but maybe in another, you can just skip ahead. I don't have any time tags and stuff because this is a fucking amateur or not even amateur. It's just a fucking. Um, bullshit podcast and currently I'm still proud of that but after yeah, some initial practice yeah the quality should really um, yeah, increase but yeah no more ranting now ranting ranting or just yeah talking around now so the three topics of, uh, of mind coolness podcast number three are going to be body mind how to understand mind and body holistically Number two, power posing for more testosterone, question mark, and how to increase willpower through breathing. So I'm gonna talk about my master thesis I did in cognitive science. But now let's start with body-mind. How to understand mind and body holistically. Ooh. So yeah, holistic, that's, that's a great 
buzzword I used just for the fuck of it. So body-mind is a concept for understanding body and mind as a single holistic unit. You already know how mind and body influence each other. When your stomach's empty, it signals to your brain via ghrelin secretion that it needs food. Suddenly you're thinking about pizza, so your body influenced your mind. Then you consider how beef is actually much better and you start cooking, eating and digesting a delicious steak. Your mind influenced your body. You also know the story about posture, right? And I'll talk about that also in the next blog post. Harbor negative thoughts and it'll show in your posture. Ah, my fucking phone. So, harbor negative thoughts and yeah, fuck you. Harbor negative thoughts and it'll show in your posture because your mind impacts your body. Conversely, you can adopt a power posture to increase your confidence and make positive thoughts emerge because your body impacts your mind. Two everyday examples should be enough. So the food stuff and the hunger um, and the posture stuff. You can easily come up with more on your own. Think about love, sports or placebo effects. Still, you'll probably have reservations about the implications. Mind and body are interrelated, okay. But this doesn't mean that they're the same. Or does it? Well, the first one is the pragmatic um, approach. So first of all, keep in mind that language is inherently pragmatic. I can use words however the fuck I want. Well, it's harder in speaking, but I can say fuck. Well, I'm not gonna try to come up with some creative example here. I'm just making myself look even more stupid than I than I am. So yeah, but I can use words however I want and as long as the recipient of my babbling gets the intended meaning, my use of words was correct in a certain sense. I can also call an apple an orange and it is not wrong as long as I ensure that the person I'm talking to has a chance to grasp what I intend to say. So uh, if I make some secret language with another person that just mixes up some different words and um, just bullcrap language, but if as long as we understand each other, then our use of words is correct, no matter how wrong in uh, quotation marks uh, it appears to be. Ultimately, ultimately, uh, I, yeah, my pronunciation sucks, I know, fuck you. Ultimately, all is one, philosophically speaking. Linguistic categories, words are artifacts that more or less arbitrarily divide our human experience of this all-encompassing oneness. Almost sounds spiritualistic here. But the objective is successful communication. Therefore, mind equals body is a true statement if it makes pragmatic sense to use this equation in a given conversation, while mind doesn't equal body but is only bidirectionally connected to it, maybe just as correct if the conversational context is different. It doesn't 
sound very scientific to you, I guess, so let me continue with the scientific approach. In modern cognitive science, the hype about embodiment has still not worn off. Embodiment means that cognitive processes and systems are deeply rooted in the body's current, para, past, ontogenetic and even phylogenetic, that is evolutionary, sensory motor interactions with the world. Cognition doesn't just have an underlying physiological structure in the nervous system, it's also fundamentally inseparable from the body, its physical characteristics and how it behaves in the environment through sensors and actuators. That is, through something that perceives, like eyes and ears and the receptors on your skin. So those are all the sensors. And then there are all the actuators, like your hands or my mouth that I'm speaking with and all this stuff. And yeah, with both my actors and my sensors I'm embedded in my environment and I'm constant sensory motor, so sensor and motor, those are my actions. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm in this constant sensory motor interaction with my environment and everybody is, every cognitive system is. One example of embodied cognition is the action sentence compatibility effect investigated by Glenberg and Kachuk. Or Kachuk, actually, yeah. So let's say you have a control device in front of you with two buttons. Y for yes is located a bit further away from you than N for no. And your finger rests in the middle of this device. If you now have to judge whether the sentence she opened the drawer makes sense, it'll take you longer to click on Y than if you had to judge the sentence she closed the drawer. By contrast, let's assume you have another control device in front of you where Y is closer to you and your body than N for now. Now the whole thing reverses. It, now it will take you longer to press the yes button for the sentence that describes an action in which you typically move your hand away from your body. That is, for example, closing a drawer. So how is this possible? There seems to be a statistical interaction between implied sentence direction, open drawer versus closed drawer, and actual response direction. So you have to, which means that you, that you move the finger with which you press the button, which is between these two buttons, either further away or closer toward your body as further away from your body or closer toward your body because the buttons are yeah um, vertically aligned to you with respect to your body and this indicates that language understanding taps into action-based systems which supports the hypothesis that linguistic meaning is grounded in bodily activity and the brain's motor cortex similarly it has been shown by Hauk and colleagues um, yeah, the links are of course, in my article, that's a comprehension of um, on mancomus.com. Uh, similarly, has been shown that the comprehension of action words like lick and kick and pick, which are semantically related to different parts of the body, so lick is related to the tongue, 
kick is related to the foot and pick is related to the hand. And these action words, um, so when you understand these action words, it activates the motor system in a somatotopic manner. This means that thinking about licking activates that part of your brain that's responsible for motor actions of your tongue. So thinking about link, licking is in your brain connected to actual licking, licking. And this means that mind and body are intrinsically related. Language and motor actions are intrinsically related. <laughs> Mirror neurons are another prime example of how cognition is embodied. Mirror neurons are cortical motor neurons that discharge both when executing and when merely observing or even just thinking about an action. Mirror neurons enable us to understand other people's gestures, postures, goal-directed motor acts and emotions. Without the motor areas in our brain, we wouldn't only lack our ability to do stuff, because it's motor actions, but also our ability to comprehend what others are doing. Mind and body are, in this sense, inseparable. And by the way, uh, the neuro mirror neuron system enables us to gain physical strength through thinking alone. And yeah, this sentence, of course, was only added to the article, I remember, in order to provide a link to another article. So such a fucking mess, my earlier blog posts, and I think the newer ones still are, but who cares. Psychosomatic medicine is another assumedly relevant discipline. Research in this field has shown over and again the many ways in which psychological stress, the opposite of mindfulness, affects hormonal and cellular processes. For example, the rumination and worry produce adverse physiological effects. Introduction to Psychoneuroimmunology by George Derona is an outstanding resource on it. And of course, I mentioned that to have some Amazon affiliate link in there as well. Wow. Look at me, fucking marketing. Oh, fuck you. Fuck myself. <laughs> Podcast is such a mess. Um, okay, let's move on. I don't want to provide a comprehensive, detailed scientific analysis of body-mind theories here. Yeah, I said this because I was self-conscious about my discussion of this whole stuff. And this whole article is intended as a painting to fill your body, crossed out mind, with various impressions about the body-mind. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Now let's move on to the theoretic, therapeutic approach for somatic psychology, which provides the basis for body psychotherapy, body-mind can be viewed as the essential concept to describe a human organism along its organismic dimensions, metabolism, body, behavior, and psyche, which are coordinated by homeostatic mechanisms and effective dynamics, emotions, moods, drives, instincts, addictions, etc. A straightforward example of the body-mind in body psychotherapy is Alexander Lowen's bioenergetic analysis, which attempts to, quote, understand the human personality in terms of the human body, end quote. Lowen proposes to define a person as, quote, the sum of his life experiences, each of which is re registered in his personality and structured in his body, end quote. 
More precisely, emotional events together with the organism's response to them may manifest themselves in, for example, chronic muscle tension. And if it were a good writer, I would actually provide some examples for all this shit. But since I'm not, or yeah, not, not yet, that's always my, yeah, well, I'm not kicking myself in the balls or down too much. Yeah. Uh, and I totally lost what I was saying. Perfect. But yeah, I should have definitely provided way more examples there. Like, like a kid that's getting screamed at, yelled at by his father and then it just freezes and all its muscles in the neck and, and wherever starts tensing. Tensing? Um, yeah, it got tense and shit. And yeah, then this manifests in chronic muscle tension. Chronic meaning, yeah, lasting for long periods of time or everlasting even. And that would be an example of how an emotional event man can manifest itself in the body. Okay, sure, linear and direct links generally oversimplify things and sure, the therapeutic approach relies on heavily on clinical knowledge, which is not yet sufficiently supported by scientific knowledge. Nonetheless, in order to assimilate the body-mind concept, I find it worthwhile to reflect on this approach's fundamental principle that you are your body. Philosophical approach. Philosophically, if you need to give it a title, the body-mind is best understood in terms of dual-aspect monism. Monism claims that reality consists of only one fundamental substance, not two as in mind-body dualism, that is neither mental nor material. Rather, mental and physical entities are irreducible descriptions of or perspectives on this one reality. That's the dual aspect of it. So I, I really won't discuss deep metaphysics here though, for it really has no practical relevance to anything. In the end, it always boils down to what kind of language game you want to play. Consider again what I said about the pragmatic or linguistic approach before. Approach before. So let's yeah, finish this article up with the spiritual approach um, of to the body-mind. Any random hippie or new age enthusiast will be able to blather about it for hours. There is no value in that. Likewise, I find it boring to recite the ancient wisdom of Buddhist, Taoist, Hinduist, Sufist, Yogist, whatever is traditions. Let's keep it simple. Your body-mind is your inner body that you can access and be via breathing and feeling. And that's the perfect point to shut the fuck up and end this article. Let's yeah move on as fast as we can to power posing for more testosterone question mark. Maybe you've seen Amy Cuddy's 2012 TED talk on how your body language shapes who you are based on her study showing that power posing influences not only cognitive but also physiological processes. When you do a power pose, like <clears throat> lifting your head up, spreading um, your arms or putting, keep putting them in the air or just 
yeah, making yourself big and expansive, then this affects, as I said, not only cognitive, but also physiological processes. You'll have more testosterone, sex, male sex hormone, and less cortisol, stress hormone. And it will also affect your behavior. And yeah, this, this TED talk is really inspiring, but do expansive postures really work? Postures, postures? I think it's postures in American English, right? Fucking schooling. Well, they do influence, so those expansive postures, postures do influence your thinking, feeling, and self-perceived confidence. That's for sure. However, their effectiveness at a hormonal or behavioral level has been called into question by Rainhill and colleagues in 2015 for their study failed to replicate and replication as you know is crucial in science it failed to replicate the effects of power posing on hormones and risk-taking behavior why well apart from typical study differences like sample size and sample composition Carney and colleagues point out that three um, well that's yet again another uh, paper you can look at um, the resources or bibliography or whatever in yeah, the article of course mindfulness.com slash theory slash power minus posing um, okay where were we so the third article they pointed out three interesting deviations between the two studies that had contradicting results on the effects of power posing <coughs> excuse me so First, deception. In the new study, participants, in the new study, they could not replicate the old findings, but participants were not given a deceptive cover story about its purpose. Rather, participants knew that the effects of posture on hormones and behavior was investigated. Second, social context. In the new study, participants were socially isolated while they adopted power postures. Third, posing duration. In the new study, the power posing lasted three times longer than in the preceding study. If I may take an educated guess, I'd say that the second point, the social context, was chiefly responsible for the different results. Power dynamics are a form of social dynamics. If you take away the social element, you're likely to fucking phone ringing again. I hate this. Okay, power dynamics are a form of social dynamics. If you take away the social element, you're likely to take away the effects too, or some of them. So what can you take from this to apply to your life? Well, just keep on posing like you're the king of the earth, especially when you're among other people. But please, retain your authenticity. And finally, article number three, how to increase willpower through breathing. And it starts with my personal story. A few years ago, I was single, but not getting laid as much as a single guy in his 20s should. Occasionally, when going about my day, I'd lock, lock eyes with some beautiful female stranger, get my heart's feelings all pumped up and shy away from hitting on her. It's not that I couldn't talk to strangers of whatever gender, but cold approaching stunning girls with the intention to overtly yet tactfully communicate my sexual interest right from the start was a whole different story, especially when, when I was alone, lacking social momentum completely. I knew this was only a matter of insufficient experience, just as in any novel social situation, gaining the experience required courage. 
I need to kickstart the power of my balls. That's fucking pathetic language use. I need to kickstart the power of my balls using all types of mindset tricks and positive thinking habits, adopting my power postures and putting myself in a social state whenever possible. It's not that these techniques were useless, but it was in breathing that I found the true power of my will. I learned that by controlling my breath, I could control myself. I applied this to whatever new willpower challenge I was confronted with. For example, I wanted to stop watching porn whenever a random online picture of some tight sexy ass triggered my interest. An automated process kicked in, one hand down pants, the other on a keyboard to frantically load my go-to porn site. Not this again. Once more, breathing was the solution. I found that mindfully modulating my breathing rate empowered me to keep my dick in check. What a liberating feeling. <laughs> Regulating my breath gave me the freedom to act out my good desires and the strength to resist bad ones. Could mindfulness itself have done the trick, maybe? In my experience, however, it's more effective to actively do something that involves manipulating my body. When a man jerks off, there's a certain physiological pattern associated with it. Mindfulness meditation might not suffice to replace that pattern. Mindful breath regulation, on the other hand, does, because it's associated with a sturdy physiological pattern itself. Ever since my discovery, I used breathing rate man manipulation in various situations. When giving important presentations, as well as before job interviews, my first bungee jump and MMA sparring sessions, especially when I had good reasons to assume that I won't, wouldn't slip through all the chokes and punches to the head. Inspired by these tremendous effects of respiratory regulation and willpower, which I experienced on a daily basis, as well as by Callum McGonigal's book on the willpower instinct, again, mentioned of course for the Amazon affiliate link, I decided to experimentally investigate this relationship. So let's move on to my science. How does breathing affect willpower was my research question that soon turned into effects of paced respiration on attentional impulse and control, as the title of my thesis. It's less catchy, but that's how we roll in academia. Oh my god, this fucking article is so pathetic. Well, it's, it's not that, that's, you know, I'm just gonna... Sometimes I think that I'm doing this podcast only to make fun of myself and... Yeah. Anyways, I chose the title to reveal a crucial aspect of my study, namely that my human guinea pig's willpower was assessed in terms of how well they could control their attention. The experiment was simple. Two screens, and actually, if, if you are interested in the experiments, then um, yeah, there's a comprehe more comprehensive depiction of my study on YouTube. The title of the video is How Breathing Affects Willpower. But the experiment basically was, there were two screens placed in front of the subject, of the participant. One screen showed exciting video clips, while the other displayed a boring screensaver. Subjects were instructed to look at the latter without getting distracted by the former screen. The more they got distracted, the less willpower they had. One group of subjects performed a slow breathing exercise before the distraction task. The other group took rapid breath. The result, fast breathing participants got distracted more often and longer as compared to slow breathing participants 
who had thus more willpower to resist the distraction. So yeah, and if you're interested in the actual science, you can also check out um, my official thesis on um, oathis.univie.ac.at, I think. I hope this works. What the fuck is Oathis? So O T T H E S dot U N I V I E dot A C dot A T and then you have to search for um, effects of paced respiration and intentional income pulse control. Okay, then my technique. So yes you assuming correctly, well <laughs> probably not now because I'm just all over the place with this podcast, but as the experiment showed, slowing down your breathing rate is beneficial in situations where you have to keep your cool. On the other hand, if a situation demands a more energized out of your mind state, like during passionate sex or right before a final deadlift set, you might rather want to increase your breathing frequency to provoke your berserker instincts and animalistic power. Holy fuck, that's pathetic. Well, it's, it's not, it's really not that. Not that, but I'm exaggerating, of course. So try one of these two breathing exercises. Try a slow breathing exercise. Four seconds inhalation. Okay, let's do it right now. Four seconds in. So slow breathing exercise. Four seconds in. Four seconds pause. Pause. Eight seconds exhalation. Four seconds in. Four seconds pause. Eight seconds exhalation. And they should be repeated six times. And I all, even after this one repetition, I already feel more grounded. And then the fast breathing exercise, which I'm not gonna do right now, because now I'm actually, just after one repetition of the slow breathing exercise, I'm in a much clearer and more grounded state. And a fast breathing exercise would be two seconds inhalation, two seconds exhalation. Um, and repeat for about 24 times so that then it would be the same as the the same total duration as the slow breathing exercise and you can try this this either slow or fast breathing under various circumstances whichever you find more appropriate to the situation adjust them according to your own experience be creative with it the more you experiment, the more you learn to control the powers of your mind, will, and raw nature. Every time something's about to go to shit in the face of temptation, anxiety, or stress, or stress, yeah, I just had a hiccup, or you simply want to gain even greater willpower in an already awesome situation, give it a try and mindfully modulate your breathing rate. It has worked wonders for me. May it work wonders for you too. Yeah, that's my fucking third podcast. Again, <laughs> thank you to everyone who listens to this crap. And um, yeah, 
if, if you actually like the shit, then yeah, prepare yourself for what you'll <clears throat> yeah, what you'll hear, and what this podcast will grow into into the next in the next few weeks, months, years, whatever. I'm gonna persevere. I'm gonna keep at it, and let's see how this shit turns out. Will we? Will we? Yeah. <laughs> That's ending strong with the most yeah shitty English. Fuck. I, I, I really have to stop now because otherwise I'm just gonna not know what to say anymore.